the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to enter into First Thessalonians chapter 4. And in that section, Paul gives instructions concerning how the Christian is to behave, what the Christian life is about. But before we do that, I want to remind you of Paul's prayer at the end of chapter 3. And this is, this is very important for you to capture because in it he gives us the truth of what it is to know God. Remember that Paul was only able to spend about three weeks, maybe a little more than three weeks with these people. And they are new converts. And his desire is to establish them in truth. His desire is to affirm them in the love of God. His desire is to set them in such a way that they would be confident and they would be assured and they would be able to stand in the face of persecution and grow and expand, which is what we do as Christians, expand in the truth of their union with Christ. That was his desire for them. Well, how is that going to be accomplished? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. I know we have covered this before, but he's going to enter introduce this truth again as we get into chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 12 and 13 says, And may the Lord make you to increase and excel and overflow in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. Well, that's simple enough. But there's a purpose in it. Look at verse 13. So that he may strengthen and confirm and establish your hearts faultlessly pure and unblameable in holiness in the sight of our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah with all his saints, the holy and glorified people of God. Amen. So be it. Now I want you to look at this prayer again. What should these Thessalonians be increasing in? in order that the Lord may strengthen them and confirm them and establish their hearts or souls, which is what we're talking about, the mind, will, and emotions, pure and unblameable. What are they to increase in? 
Well, it says in verse 12, they are to increase in love for one another and for all the people. That's where it says it. In the Amplified, it says, may the Lord make you. In the NASB, it says, cause you to increase and excel and overflow in love. In order for them to be established, in order for them to be confirmed in the soul, they must yield to the unction of the Spirit of God to express, to manifest the love of God to the brethren of God. Now, here's the reality of it. You all know, you've seen the diagram, and I've talked about it many times, that in your spirit, you're in union with Christ. But where do we battle? Where is all of the anxiousness? Where is the insecurity and the fear? Where does the enemy attack most often? He has no hope and no ground in the Spirit. Because we are in union with Christ. He'd take God head on there. Where does he go? The soul. Mind, will, and emotions. Paul's not concerned about affirming these people in their spirit. That's a done deal. Paul's concerned that they be affirmed in their mind, will, and emotion. And how are they going to do that? How is that going to get done? Well, we've said this before. What is in the Spirit must flow through the soul. Be filled with the Spirit of God. The truth of God's life, His character, who He is, the truth of your new union with Him must flow through the mind, will, and emotions and be expressed. And in that expression, you are affirmed. And in that expression, you grow and expand in who you are. There are a lot of immature Christians out there Because they refuse to allow the Spirit of God to express through them the truth of who they are. They refuse to love. That's fundamentally who we are. When they refuse to love, they refuse to know God. Did you hear me? To refuse to love is to refuse to know God. That's a tough tough call, isn't it? In order to be established and confirmed, they must yield to the Spirit of God in their soul. Now, the word there for love is agape. Now, what is agape? That is God's love. It can't be separated from God because that's who He is. And it is the expression of that love that identifies us as His children. If you are a Christian, this expression of love is natural to you because you share in the very character of Christ Himself in your spirit. Nothing will be more affirming to you, nothing will affirm who you are more prevalently than expressing that love, than allowing that life and love to rule in your soul. Now, keeping that in mind, let's go to chapter 4. And in chapter 4, Paul begins with his instructions. And it's interesting that after he makes this prayer, he begins with sexual purity. That's his first topic. Paul starts with the issue of sexual purity. Why? Well, one reason is because the place where these people lived was grossly immoral. And they no doubt had some baggage in this area. It's an area where an area of the Christian life where the enemy can do a lot of damage, and we've discussed this before. Why do you think it figures so predominantly in the enemy's work and attack upon men and women? 
Why do you think that it is so heavily seated in everything that we read and everything that we watch and every form of entertainment? Why do you think the enemy relies on it so heavily? Well, because nothing will distort and corrupt your perception of the love of God like sexual impurity. Nothing will distort and absolutely obscure the truth of how God intends to love you like sexual impurity. Nothing will pervert your ability to receive and know the love of God and the love of others like sexual impurity. It corrupts our relationships with those we should love. It turns people into objects for self-worship and gratification. It doesn't suit who we are. To participate in it will distort your view of who you are as a new creation and callous you to the love of Christ. That's what the effect will be if you practice sexual impurity. Remember chapter 4 verse 7 which we talked about. For God has not called us to impurity but to consecration to dedicate ourselves to the most thorough purity. Now, Don't pack your bags and go on a guilt trip. Jesus has taken care of that if you will yield your life to him. Again, look at that verse 7 in chapter 4. It's past tense. Called is past tense. God is not asking you to become something, but to live in the truth of who you are as a new creation. Sexual impurity does not suit you. It is not who you are. If one of you, I've used this illustration before, if one of you started acting like a monkey, the rest of us would be a little concerned about you. We would be a little concerned because you were not acting normally. Sexual impurity, disobedience, rebellion, all of those things are acts and deeds of the flesh. They are not who you are. When you act those ways, you are literally denying yourself. Did you hear that? You're denying yourself. Now remember who you are. Where is the truth of you? It's in where? Your spirit. Your identity is in your spirit. And when you allow your soul to be co-opted and corrupted by this world, to believe that you are a tool or a function of this world and act accordingly, you are denying who you are. You are denying what Christ has done for you. That is why Paul begins there with sexual purity. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9-12. through 12. But concerning brotherly love... For all other Christians, you have no need to have anyone write to you. For you yourselves have been personally taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you already are extending and displaying your love to all the brethren throughout Macedonia. But we beseech and earnestly exhort you, brethren, that you excel in this matter more and more. To make it your ambition and definitely endeavor to live quietly and peacefully, to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we charged you, so that you may bear yourselves becomingly and be correct and honorable and command the respect of the outside world 
being dependent on nobody, self-supporting, and having need of nothing. Sounds good, doesn't it? Paul tells him, I don't have to admonish you concerning brotherly love. Now, brotherly love, that word there in the Greek is Philadelphia. In secular Greek, it has the expression of brotherly love. That's what it means, that, that we love everybody, you know, we are the world kind of thing. All right? But, in New Testament context, brotherly love talks about Christian love expressed towards fellow Christian. Now, what kind of love do you express? Is it brotherly love? The reality is that Philadelphia is the expression, the action, the manifestation of agape love towards one another. That's what it is. It is not separate and apart, because Christian love, apart from Christ, would it be possible? No. So in the context of the New Testament, Philadelphia is speaking about an action of Christians between Christians literally loving each other with the love of God. That's what he's talking about. Paul says, I don't have to tell you about that. It's actually being done. And brotherly love should be the expression of the love that God has put in your heart. Romans 5.5 5 says, Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us, for God's love, what is that? That's agape, has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That is, we possess that love and its outward possession should not be hidden, it should not be kept private, it should be expressed, it should be an action. And listen, Philadelphia that is not expressed is not brotherly love. It isn't. It kind of reminds me of the verse in James where he says, if you tell the brother who is hungry and needs clothing, oh, go be warm and be fed. You know, faith without works. And this is the reality of Philadelphia. Philadelphia is not Philadelphia unless there is a true expression of the love of God. Now, what does that mean to us? That literally means that that is something we do not create, but we yield to. Do you understand that? We don't create God's love. We don't create even the expression of God's love as if it were possible. We yield to that love through our souls. And God's expectation and His command, Jesus said that it was the greatest command. First, to love God. Second, to love one another as we love ourselves. You know what He was implying? We don't know ourselves. We don't know the love of God. And we cannot love ourselves if we are not expressing the love of God. You look at somebody who does not love anybody. You look at somebody who, who is self-absorbed. You're looking at somebody that's continually focused on themselves. They won't give love because they can't love themselves. A bitter, angry person hates themselves. He talks about how he hates the world, but the problem is him. Because I guarantee you, you move him from this place where he hates everybody over to this place... And how long will it be before he hates everybody over there? Listen, I used to be in HR, and I used to see these people coming. I would always encourage them to talk about their ex-employer. 
And if what I heard was bitterness, I'm not hiring them. Because let me tell you something. Bitterness is not based on what people do to you. It's based on how you respond to people. You hire them, and you got it. The truth is that God has poured that love into us that it might flow through us. And it is a supernatural love. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. This love is to be a divine expression that transcends motives, logic, because its source is agape. And what is agape? It's unconditional, isn't it? That means that the love that I am to express towards you has nothing to do with you. What? It has nothing to do with you. You can be a jerk. You can be bitter. You can be angry. You can hate my guts. You can do whatever you want to do. I have one response to you. The Bible spells it out. What am I to do? What is the least I am to do towards those who offend me? Love them. You know the church can't even grasp that. Some of the biggest issues and fights and bitterness you'll find are in the church. And they are totally at odds with one another over the stupidest simple things. Because they've made some point more important than some person. Than being obedient to the love of Christ in them. He says, allow that love to expand in you. Allow that love to be your divine expression. Notice it says, to all the brethren. Well, that's a blow. We were hoping to exclude some, weren't we? No, but it's everybody. That should be your natural inclination. In other words, here's the reality of it. Now, you may say, I don't cotton to people too quick. It's a country way of saying, I'm a bitter person. The bottom line is this, that you've been denying the truth of who you are for so long, you don't know how to respond anymore. God says that your first inclination is love. Your first expression is love. It's natural. It's not you becoming something different. It's not you acting like something you're not. You're not being a monkey. You're literally living out the truth of who you are. That's what God has called you to do. God is, First John says, God is what? Love. Then if you are His offspring, if you are His creation for the expression of His life, what do you think would be your natural inclination? Love. It's first. But you know what? The command to love is like the command to do anything else. You can say no, you can say no, you can say no. And you know what? I lived that way for years. God said love. Well, you, did you see what they just did? God says love. Well, do you see how they behave? God says love. Do you see how they treated me? God says love. Do you see what they did to me? God says love. Do you see the way they looked at me? God says love. But do you see how arrogant and proud they are? God says love. For years I lived that way. And how often can you go down that path before you wear a hole? Before it becomes an eight-lane highway for how you deal with life? Your natural inclination is not that rut. It's not bitterness. It's not self-protection. It's love. That's who you are. God says love. 
Paul said to them, You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been personally taught by God to love one another. Paul is simply saying that they have naturally come to obedience by yielding to the Father's heart concerning this area. Paul is not saying you have no need for teachers or church or for any of the mediums that God uses to teach people or to grow us. That word taught by God, and I'm going to try not to slaughter it, in the Greek is a rather long word. It's actually theodidactos. theodidactos. And this is the only time this word is actually used in the New Testament. It's the only time. It means taught by God. Taught as a father instructs. They loved because they had the Father's heart. They loved because it was natural to them. Understand this. They only had a short window of time to be educated externally. Right? Because Paul left within three weeks. So where were they getting this? Where, were they, where was this revelation becoming life to them? You know, it was really simple. They didn't sit down and say, you know, I'm just determined to, to learn everything God has for me to know and to begin to practice these things. You know what they did? The same thing you and I do. When anything becomes life to us, how does it happen? It starts with us saying, Father, I'm yours. I'm just going to yield to whatever you have for me. I'm tired of fighting. I want to know you. I want to be the expression of your life. Father, I yield myself to whatever you want to do in my life. I abandon myself to you because I am yours. Express your life through me. And if God were to answer that prayer, what would that expression look like? Love. Love. Here's the thing, guys. We listen to the instructions, and you know what? If Paul was going to truly instruct them on how to be good Christians, we would think that there should be a book about this thick. Because if you go to the Christian bookstore, it's about that thick. Every aisle's full of them. What you should do to be a good Christian. You know what you need to do to be a good Christian? Recognize that you are one and yield to the life within you. That's it. Allow that life to love. Allow that life to be obedient. Allow that life to express itself. And everything that the Bible says do, you will do because it's who you are. You won't have to have some preacher beat you over the head to get it done. And you won't have to operate in fear and in guilt. They loved out of their new nature. The evidence of being a child of God is the expression of His life. Remember Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2? Therefore be imitators of God, copy Him and follow His example. As well-beloved children imitate their Father. And walk in love. Walk in it. In other words, live it. It's who you are. Esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A slain offering, a sacrifice to God for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. The love of God, the love of Christ, 
the person of Christ and His love upon you. What cologne are you supposed to be wearing? The fragrance of His love. That's what you should be expressing. That's what should predominate and fill the room when you walk in. Paul says, you had to have no one teach you. They yielded to the life of Christ and they manifested love. You don't create it, you yield to it. The expression of brotherly love reveals a yielded and obedient heart. It's literally the fruit of abiding. 1 John chapter 2, verses 10. Whoever loves his brother, believer, his brother, believer, abides. Well, what's necessary? He abides, lives in the light, and in it or in him there is no occasion for stumbling or cause for error or sin. You see, this love is demonstrated in action. The only way you can love your brother is to abide. The only way that you can experience abiding is through expressing love. I have talked to many people who said, I hear you talk about we're abiding in the vine, but I never feel like I'm abiding. I never feel, I never seem to experience abiding. You're living in the vine. Recognize that. Now, the key is that you start acting like it. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.